Welcome to The Other Coast, a podcast detailing the Malafometa in Los Angeles. My name is Jeff, and with me here is a SoCal player, Colgan. Hey, everyone. Hey, Colgan. So, today we are going to try something different. Uh, this is a new episode format we're going to try, and if you guys like it, you know, maybe it'll become a series. But this is going to be 30 minutes of Malifaux, so we're going to do an episode, uh, and it's going to have 30 minutes of content, and when we get to uh, the 30-minute mark, we are just going to go into our wrap-up. We're not going to necessarily uh, have any set topic for this episode. We're just going to kind of jump from point to point. Since we are fairly limited on time, we'll just go into it. Uh, the first point I want to talk about is I think Weird needs to do a better job of unifying language. You know, I've, I've complained about, you know, sort of the ambiguities in some of the rules text and in some of the ways Weird chooses to resolve erratas or facts. Um, you know, the fact that at the end of activation, after the end of activation mean the same thing, but target and targeted do not mean the same thing. The fact that, you know, targeted, targeted is a very artificial uh, creation. And in the material that they're releasing now, you know, there's this, there's this example that I ran across where Tiri, her earthquake attack is a blast attack. And you know, it does damage and then models damage gains staggered. But in common with a lot of these blast attacks, it has a trigger to allow friendly models to ignore the damage effect and instead, you know, gain a, gain a benefit. In this case, a heal one. And these effects, they already exist in the game. Uh, one example is Decay. Uh, decay is a blast attack that models damage gain injured. Uh, and there's a trigger on it, life and death. And that trigger says, when resolved, friendly living models that would be damaged by its action instead heal too. That is an effect that already exists in the game. It's text that already exists in the game. Tiri has a trigger that does a similar thing, but instead of saying, you know, models damaged by gain something else instead, what Tiri's says is, when resolving, friendly bygone models touching a blast marker heal one instead of suffering damage. So it's touching a blast marker. And so why does this matter? Well, for me, when I see a difference in language, it makes me look for some sort of distinction. Because, you know, if you look at games like CCGs or whatever, where um, they do have sort of very rigorous terminology uh, and the differences in terminology are meant to effectuate, you know, different interactions or different, you know, different rule interactions. So I, I look at Tiri and I just I sat here trying to come up with a difference. And maybe I'm missing a difference, Colgan. If you see one, let me know. But from where I'm sitting, this is just another example of Weird having like kind of sloppy editing practices. Or maybe no one really is in charge of editing over Weird. You know, I'm sure they have a process, but you know, in my opinion, they should be making more of an effort to make sure these things go out in a uniform fashion if they're not meant to be different. Yeah, I was looking at it after you brought it up, and I can't see a difference. At first, I thought it might have been because for Tiri's thing, it adds staggered. I'm like, oh, maybe they want to make a distinction there. But Decay adds injured, so there's not even that. As far as like weird not doing a good job, it's kind of interesting because I felt like for as far as game rules go, they do a very good job, or overall, I think they do a good job at uh, using specific like words to mean specific things like how there's you know like walk move charge 
and then like the distinction between like flight and incorporeal. And I, you know, with how they've decided to make it so ability names are more or less, well, they are pretty much uniform across factions and units. So it's not like, you know, this guy has armor one and this guy has like spiked armor one of corruption or however they do it in all these other games where it's like it's really the same thing like i i'm not gonna lose sleep over the fact that you know everyone doesn't have a unique name for their armor ability And, and then the other part too is as far as them not being super careful about their editing like i don't think it would be an issue if they you know updated their stuff regularly you know like okay they released Tyrion. it's like okay the text is wrong they bring it up and then like you know two weeks later they just bring it uniform like it's it's really a nothing burger right at that point it's not like okay sure they could have been more careful about their editing practices but if they actually just lean into this advantage of having like all their content available free digitally this is like (laughs) a five second fix yeah so you know the the point you made about how uh like walk, charge, push, move, place. They're each a game term that has a different set of rules associated with them. I I think a really good illustration of why this matters, right? When you are getting into areas where you have that degree of granularity, um, where the effects do matter based on, you know, these, these, in some cases, synonyms, it makes it so that you can't just dismiss different terminology as being inherently unimportant Mm -hmm. but you can't also assume significance to it because you can point to other examples that currently exist in the game where the difference doesn't matter and if weird wants a game where target and targeted actually mean different things right we've been over this so many times it's very clear they they didn't intend it and this is like just some sort of stopgap fix. But if mm-hmm. this is the road they want to go down, then they really need to be precise because people are going to like argue these differences based on, on terminology changes that at this point, I have no idea whether weird meant or not. Like, and, and there are other examples. If you, you know, go, it's, it's funny. I was just reminded of the fact that when we did the caster episode, I think I complained about the fact that uh, I think it's Atherac. I'm going to go to his card. Yeah, so Athrak, one of his abilities says when this model activates, and a different mm. one says at the start of this model's activation. Is that the mm. same thing? Yeah, I mean, I think it is the same thing. Why don't they have the same terms? So, you know, in my opinion, this is frustrating for several reasons. It has game implications, but also just from like a professionalism standpoint. You know, weird, sure, weird's like Games Workshop. Weird's, you know, not a big company on the scale of companies right so they're not like marvel or whatever which is funny to say that because when i was growing up everyone was saying comics were going to die and these comic companies were very small and comic book movies were you know low budget and terrible so Mm. it's it's funny now that marvel is like this multi-billion dollar i mean they're part disney and stuff right but it's just that changed fast uh but (laughs) so i'm getting off track here but i guess my point is Weird may not be a big company, but they are a successful company on a tabletop uh, gaming scale. And a little bit of editing is not a huge expense on the scale of, you know, what they pay to to produce their product. I think it would help them quite a bit, you know, hire some junior editor, hire a 
grad student studying communications or something who who needs a side gig, but unify this language. I, I just find it funny that you compared them to GW, who are like the fucking worst offenders of like rules and errata and just everything, despite being undoubtedly like the largest company in the wargaming space. Yeah, I mean, the comparison was just from a scale standpoint, right? You know, I was trying to give Weird a little bit of credit because Games Workshop has the resources to where there's no excuse for, mm-hmm. you know, for like sort of unprofessionalism or, you know, examples of, of uh, errors in their products. These are, sure, everyone makes mistakes, but Games Workshop is a huge company. I mean, you know, they're they're big on the scale of companies. Mm-hmm. And and so they they really they don't have an excuse. But I've heard weird or people I shouldn't say weird. I've heard people defend weird before by saying, well, you know, weird's a small company. And yeah, okay, weird is a small company on the scale of companies, maybe, but they are a successful gaming company and they can't afford to hire a copy editor. You, you know, maybe not full time, but when they're pushing out releases or something, getting this stuff to a copy editor to go through is a you know, an expense they can bear and an expense they should bear. Yeah, I mean, I think even without the copy editor, one of the things that just strikes me as kind of odd is that I feel like in comparison to a lot of other gaming companies, like Weird is really good with, I guess, embracing technology to actually make the game better. Like there are very few games that I know of that have apps that you can even like build an army in. Like they're all usually fan made and maintained. And not officially supported, and even then, like I know of even less um, like official apps where you can actually like you know roll up objectives for the games and track stats in like a reasonable way. I, I guess originally, you know, the Malifaux app was made by a fan, but you know they hired him on to actually maintain it officially, and I would imagine that also makes it easier as he has you know access to official resources and everything. And I guess it seems odd to me that they just don't lean into that more to like you know, make these updates. And, you know, with the whole target and targeted thing, I, I agree with you. It's like this, where they've decided to make their stand on this, I think just is going to make it so much more difficult for future rulings than just unifying the language and being like, all right, we made a mistake on how, you know, we worded this in order to make it clear, we're just going to change the wording. And like, it's not even going to be like a huge economic cost to like the players or really the company. Um, I guess for them, they have to spend time like fixing all the instances of it, which may not be great, but I think it'll save them. It would probably save them time in the future. And it also just make things a lot more clear to the player base as a whole. Right. I mean, one thing to, you know, keep in mind is that we're just full-time employees, you know, that they're a big enough company for that. Uh, And so they're, you know, they're people who, it should be their job to make the game better. Uh, this isn't, you know, like a side gig sort of thing, mm. right? And so I, I lose a little bit of, of patience when people sort of defend weird on like, oh, well, it's a small company grounds. Because, you know, while I, I very much appreciate Malifaux as a, as a product, Right, it, it brings me a lot of enjoyment. I get to do this this podcast. And, you know, I, I get to play games with with you know cool people at at, at stores or online or or whatever. So you know, I, I appreciate having Malifaux in my life. But at the same time, I'm a customer 
with choices. And whenever you can never really be sure what's going to turn off each individual consumer because people are different and most people are bonkers um, and, and, you know, can get set off by just like ridiculous things. You know, this is very much like a context thing. Someone listening to this could be like, yeah, you're getting turned off by this like ridiculous, you know, example of, oh, two different phrases, who cares? So, you know, it is sort of an eye of the beholder kind of thing. You know, my point is that there are many objectionable elements to this that you can point to like gameplay blah 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 but one you know one of them is how i feel as a customer you know i i want a good product and when i see simple errors are not fixed it you know it makes me feel like they don't value me enough to give me a better product it's like with the um the other side with the infinite victory point loop. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't seen a patch note on it. I don't know if it's changed because I haven't played a game of, of the other side since then. Mm-hmm. But if you have some, if you produce a game and your game does not work, <laughs> <laughs> you owe it to your customers to fix it. Yeah, I agree with you on that part. I think, you know, in one sense I can see it being overly critical, but I think that you know, if you don't know a lot about a company or you're just new into the game, I think those small mistakes can have a huge impact. Like for me, if there's ever a vendor like trying to get the business from a company or like they're trying to sell me a product, another introductory mail, there's like typos or they spell my name wrong. I'm like, dude, like why would I ever trust you with anything when like your very first contact with me in this email, like you can't even spend the time to make sure like my name is correct. Like, why would I trust you with anything? Yeah. So I hear this particular sentiment or, you know, the sentiment I'm about to outline a lot in um, like MMOs or, or video games mm-hmm. where it's like, you should just appreciate the game the devs gave you. Right. Mm. There's a lot of like supporters who, who sort of take that angle whenever someone complains about like balance or, or content or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think, you know, it's justified to be rude to developers, but we're not supposed to be grateful for these games. These games are are products. They're supposed to be grateful to us for Mm -hmm. buying and and using the product, right? Mm -hmm. And one way you show this gratitude is to produce a high quality product, is to show to your customers that they matter, you know, to to take their feedback into consideration. And, Mm -hmm. And I... You know, I do not know why Weird seems to, you know, sort of agreeing with your earlier point about like why doesn't Weird embrace this app technology they have to make more micro changes. For whatever reason, Weird seems sort of married to their errata packs as as products, and uh, you know, thinking about it, each of the errata packs are about the same size, like just physically, you know, they're like the same size. So maybe as a product, they say, oh well, you know, every errata pack is going to be. X, you know, whatever size that is because of their packaging or whatever. Although I think it's just shrink wrapped. I don't even think it's a packaging issue. But, you know, for whatever reason, Weird seems to tie their errata to the physical size of their errata packs, which, first of all, I think is entirely unnecessary just generally, but really confuses me for Weird because Weird's, you know, the entire universe of Weird's cards, it's it's not like they maintain those old, uh, like the faction packs they had when the game first started. Now you have to go to War Game Vault 
print on demand if you want a physical copy of say that generic upgrades for your faction or, or whatever mm-hmm. or like you know the the second edition if the second edition sculpt had different art you know if you want that as a card you have to go to working fault or, or something so they're already telling people hey if you want this stuff you have to go to print on demand why don't they do that for errata and once they kind of get away from like the physical errata pack being the limit to what they are willing to change they can change far more and not only can they make sort of typographical corrections uh, but they could then make smaller rule changes, which would allow them to make more frequent rule changes. Yeah, it's weird that they seem still tied to the errata packs, and that makes me kind of curious how many players still use physical cards. Because I know that was a big thing for you, but I feel like you've also you've also kind of like fallen more to using the app for looking up cards and everything rather than making sure you have every updated card. Because I remember when like the first year out of PAX came out, like you were on top of it. But I feel like in the last few, you haven't bothered. <laughs> well, I still buy the errata packs, and the errata packs are convenient. I'm not saying that they're that they're not convenient. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know why they need to limit themselves the size of the errata to the errata packs, or why the errata packs can't just be bigger or whatever. Because you know, again, mm-hmm. first I thought maybe it was packaging, but they are just shrink wrapped. And I think for a lot of newer players. Uh, the cards are more convenient than the app. I think there are just some players who prefer physical cards, which is fine. I even, like, there's a, a local player in our meta who who doesn't like the app philosophically. It's not that the app is bad. They just, you know, they come to the game store to unplug. They would rather not have a screen involved in the game, which, you know, is fine. And so you can generate the scheme pool manually. You can do all of it without the app, right? Mm-hmm. But I I don't think that the convenience factors like justify weirds like current sort of errata practice, especially when you point to the inconsistency of well they're saying just go to War Game Vault for things like upgrade cards. Yeah, it it seems odd to me too. Well, I mean, because I was gonna say I feel like a lot of people I know a lot of newer players they prefer the physical cards, but I feel like after a few games, most people end up using the app to look up things because it's really convenient. I think that they should always keep that element of being able to get the physical cards for those who want them. I don't, why not? I mean, at the very least, you know, if people can just use the app and just print out the cards and then, you know, just put them in a packet for tracking and things like that. Um, but yeah, it seems, it feels like something they should take advantage of because I, I feel like the majority of people probably just reference the cards in the app after they get used to it. I, I'd imagine, especially for people who play at Vassal, just because, you know, we were talking in other episodes, or at least in Jim's case, you know, he'll play all the stuff he doesn't have. So <laughs> I think it's fairly safe to assume he doesn't have the cards for all the models he doesn't have as well. So I, I it feels like they are like chaining themselves to this like physical impediment for updating rules and modifying things. Like, I think it's still probably okay to say like, you know, we don't want to just make micro changes like every week because that could just be hard to keep up with at a player level but having like what it's currently one errata a year yeah if that yeah no i mean i i think we're pretty much on on the same on the same page here i know for myself you know it might sound hypocritical or or whatever my saying you know they they should sort of lean on the app more when I I did I was very dependent on the cards at first, um, and I made a concerted effort to kind of move over 
uh, to the app because mm-hmm. I, you know, I realized there would be a lot of benefits for it. And it is something that, that you can do. I, I would say that the, you know, the one thing about physical cards and, you know, just like you, I don't think they should abandon physical cards. I think they should still come in the boxes, right? You can take this, oh, well, they have the app argument to the logical extreme and be like, okay, well, let's just never make a physical card. But that's not what we're saying at all. I, I really do think that they are a lot more convenient for most new players for what from what I've seen. But yeah, that shouldn't mean that they can't do it. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things because I, I do, you know, I play Monpok every now and then. I haven't gotten in any games lately, but I wanted to kind of organize a tournament at the shop. But one of the problems was that like, Monpok doesn't have an app for tracking all the card changes and there had been updates. Mm. And, you know, I didn't want to run a tournament until everyone had the new cards or like even like an official resource for all the changes because there is like a really helpful fan-maintained website that has like all the newest stats and everything. But it felt kind of weird to like tell everyone like, hey, you know, just like go to this website that's not officially sponsored and use those stats because trust me, they're (laughs) they're the current (laughs) ones. So they don't have like a like a change log document or something or um I think they do on their FAQ and they do they do the update packs like um Weird does as well but you know it's also you know you got to wait around for the packs and everything and then make sure everyone has them and if they don't have them like then at that point I would you know like I would want to be able to provide them but that means like I have to buy like what like 10 copies of these cards and then just like what am I going to use them for after the fact yeah, so this is maybe an example where Weird is a victim of their own success. Weird does a lot of things well. And so it makes it, you know, maybe there's there's a bigger impact or bigger visibility when some of these things maybe aren't up to par. Uh, but I would also argue that, you know, if you generally produce a high quality product, errors, even minor errors, then do detract more from the experience. If you just own like a like a beat up junker that you've had for for twenty years or whatever, getting another scratch on the bumper isn't super significant, and I know that because I own a beat up junker, and when I get a scratch on my bumper, I don't really care. But if you have like a brand new car, that that first scratch is a really big deal, and so you know I I think that Weird generally delivers a high quality product. And if I weren't so invested in the game, would I care so much that there's these little differences in, in wording or that, you know, release schedule suboptimal or, you know, all these kind of minor things we've been talking about? Maybe not. But at, at the same time, a lot of these fixes would help the game and it costs weird very little to do. And so I just, you know, I think if there are things that really should be done. Yeah, I mean... The kind of game you're going for also sets the tone, right? Like in very, like I'm playing Dracula's America, all the rules are very light. So like minor missteps like that aren't really a big deal. But mm-hmm. like in Malifaux, where I feel like, like all your decisions have a lot of weight to them. There's a lot more things to consider. You know, like the crews are so intricate that these little missteps feel like they have a larger effect, like you're saying. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially when you can't logically derive some of these uh, rules conclusions mm-hmm. you know it's it's just the way that it is and you have to understand that it works that way no no amount of like logical deduction is going to get you there you can't say oh well by analogy this is how that works no i mean you just you have to understand 
how take the hit works by you know the way that they say target and targeted is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um all right uh so do you have a topic i guess more of like a personal thing this is the first thing that come to my mind because we have all this we've had this like painting competition at uh lost planet recently and I'm wondering for you, like, what are your qualifiers in Malifaux at the point where you decide that this keyword deserves commission painting? Because you have, what, um, Colette and then the Crossroads 7. And I know you play Jack Doll a lot, but you have not painted him. And I don't think you have any plans to get him commission painted. Uh, well, so, you know, one thing is finances. If I were a billionaire, I would just get everything you know, in every game, just painted to a super high level, right? But, you know, sure, I, sure. I don't have that much disposable income. But more than that, I don't know. I, I, f- I played Colette exclusively or almost exclusively in second edition. So there's a lot of games just with, with Colette. And so when I came to third edition, uh, I knew I didn't want to do that, but I was still really interested in her crew in general. So. Mm-hmm. With the Crossroads Seven, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of like cross factional sort of stuff, uh, and Crossroads Seven are the the best way to do it in Malifaux, and the models are all super distinctive. So I figured, you know, why not? Uh, would I like to get Daw commission painted at some point? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if that would necessarily be the first keyword I would go to, um, because I feel like well, a couple things. For one, if I did paint, I feel like I could paint DAW kind of better than a lot of other keywords that are out there. You know, DAW's aesthetic is, I think, a bit simpler to pull off for a very average painter. Um, dry brushing neon everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I guess I don't know if that really answers your question. Um, I mean, sort of. So then, like, what keywords would be first on the make someone else do it block? You know, stuff that's kind of harder to paint. It's not so much necessarily tied to uh, what I would want to play. You know, like, uh, so Tara Tara 2, right? Mm. You have to put three models on a 30 millimeter base. I also have a weird sculpt. And they're supposed to, you know, that each each of the, the, the two previous ones is supposed to fade out more, right? Sure. That is an effect... That would be very difficult for me to produce, but I think a professional painter could do quite well. Uh, and with that, that will be 30 minutes. So um, <laughs> I guess obliteration is is next one. Uh, so I, I don't know if this is a format that we're going to keep doing. We you know wanted to try to produce sort of a shorter episode because we know some of our episodes can go on quite a bit. If you uh, have enjoyed this format, let us know. If you think we should just kind of stick to the long rambling uh, stuff that we normally do, uh, let us know that too. We just play in one small corner of the globe, but we want to be part of the wider Malifaux community, and that's one reason why we're doing this podcast. So any feedback is appreciated. You can find us on Facebook, on Discord, on Twitter, on the weird forums, really just so many places. You can send us voicemails over Anchor. Uh, we also have a PayPal and a Patreon if you'd like to support the channel in that way, and we you know, really do appreciate our backers who, who do support us. And with that, I think it's just going to do it for us. Night, everyone. Bye.